What approach should we take when sharing the gospel with Muslims? Today, we have Alan Schliemann on the show to talk about specific methods that will help us share the truth of Jesus with our Muslim friends and family. That's what we'll be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, you are listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and we are back today, finishing up, actually, our series on Islam. Yeah, this has been a cool series. I, um, Man, I really like studying about Islam and how to impact our Muslim friends and family. Uh, and this is going to be a really great show because we have our friend Alan Schliemann from Standard yeah, Reason yeah. coming in. He is like an expert on Islam and um, tactics in sharing your faith with Muslims. So, um, man, this is going to be an awesome show. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting. Uh, but before we get into the interview, uh, we just had a couple announcements for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, just make sure if you aren't already, go ahead and follow us on our Facebook and Instagram pages for Christ Culture and Coffee. Yes. But with that, and then I know we say this every podcast because it's so important that you are a part of this group, but we have a closed group called Christ Culture culture and coffee insiders. Mm-hmm. And we, we want you to be a part of it because it, it's something that is unique for our core listeners that we want you to engage with in discussion. Yeah. And, yeah. and you want to be a part of it. Yeah, um, you really do. There's some amazing people in there who are posing great questions. There's good discussion happening. Um, it, it's such a great group of people to be involved with, to share um, insights and ideas and apologetics methods. And we really would like you to get in there because it will be very beneficial yeah, to yeah. you. It, and mm-hmm. that's, that's the entire point of us having this. And Tyler and I, get in there every often, every so yeah. often and talk and, and interact, but it's mostly a, a community of people who are like-minded about apologetics and about reaching their world for Jesus. So you definitely want to be a part of our insiders group. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's just great too, because there, there's people in that group from all over the place. Yeah, so all over. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just a great way to connect with uh, Christians in other states and some even in other countries. Yep. That are you could even, I mean, man, go on there and say, hey, I'm traveling to, you know, wherever, Louisiana. Is there anybody out there? Maybe we could do a Christ Culture and Coffee get together. We can have coffee, talk apologetics, meet each other. Yeah, kind yeah. Kind of a cool way to, to even to uh, connect, network yeah. with people. Yeah, so yeah, great. definitely love you to get involved on social media and in our insiders group. Well, again, today we have a, um, our friend Alan Schleeman on. Mm. We've done uh, some missions work with him in the past, and um, he's just an all-around really great guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, just uh, throughout high school, I studied a lot of his stuff and got to learn from him, was privileged to uh, uh, just be able to take in, take part in some small groups breakout sessions that he's had. He's also mm-hmm. led us on a mission trip, on yep. a pro-life mission trip, uh, my senior year of high school. Um, and then uh, I've even hung out with him here in Phoenix. He's come out here before, and uh, yep. we, me and a group of friends from who were on that trip, we went out and got ice cream with him one night. And uh, uh, He's just a cool guy. Like, really, uh, um, he has a heart for Jesus. He wants yep. to, and, and for students, he wants to uh, equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith, just mm-hmm. like we do on this podcast. And so yep, definitely. he does a great job at that, and uh, he just has a lot of wisdom and insight on uh, sharing with uh, Muslims. And that's why we wanted to have him on this podcast today is because uh, he has some just really uh, cool 
and biblical approaches to um, uh, sharing Jesus with Muslims. So we are here today with a very special guest, our friend Alan Schliemann from Stand to Reason. Alan, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, I'm glad to be on. Thanks for inviting me. Good to talk to both of you guys, Robbie and Tyler. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know Alan, which is kind of, it'd be, it's hard for me to believe that people don't. Um, <laughs> he has been doing phenomenal work with Stand to Reason for, for many years. It is a apologetics ministry that's based in California. Uh, and these guys kind of, um, for me anyways, have put apologetics uh, parachurch ministries on the map. Like mm, they have done yeah. so much through Greg Kokel doing the radio show. And now they all have like their own podcast. They've written books called them ambassadors guides um they do conferences they do youtube articles uh on and on and on so we're just so thankful that you're here alan and um one of the things that alan is a specialist in is uh the pro-life apologetics he's also Mm. a special he specializes in apologetics uh regarding homosexuality but also and and for our our purposes today he is an expert in apologetics to muslims and how you you articulate and and share your world view and, and help them see truth. Mm. Um, and so that's why uh, we're having him on today, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So, Alan, you are one of the guys that I always look to. I've read The Ambassador's Guide uh, to Islam like so many times. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. so helpful <laughs> um, when, when I'm studying this stuff. And I'm actually I'm teaching a class right now at uh, Mission Bible Institute on it, and so I've been using that as, as one, of my, uh, one of my ways to study up on it. So your, oh, cool. uh, your work for the Lord is, is definitely expanded past where you, what you know is going on, which is, I always think, pretty, pretty cool and encouraging. That is encouraging. Thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. Well, and we, Tyler and I, we went on a mission trip with you a few years ago. We did a pro-life yeah. mission yeah. trip out to California. That was such a great trip. I, I still oh, have yeah. students talking about that. <laughs> that was fun for us, too. Yeah. My son still remembers it as well. Oh, does he? He joined oh, nice. us. Yeah. He, oh, he, was, he was kind of, I don't know, what was he, like, like 10 or 9 years old or something like that. But, yeah, it was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, that was. That was a great time. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember, I even um, at some points paired up with your son when we were doing uh, like outreach at a uh, Belmont oh, yeah. Park. And he, That's he, right. yeah, I was so, I was so impressed by him because like he had like more, uh, <laughs> he had like more confidence than some of the high schoolers and like just going up and talking <laughs> to people. It was, yep. just, it was crazy. Like he just, he was so natural at it. So that's awesome. Yep. That is. Yeah. yeah that was, that was a fun trip for sure. It was good. So, yeah. all right. Well, we have been talking about Islam for the past few weeks on the show, um, getting into mm-hmm. the beliefs, talking about who Muhammad was, talking about their authority, uh, especially when it comes to divine revelation with the Quran, mm-hmm. talking about how the Hadith fits into um, the, the Islamic worldview. But we want to talk with you about, okay, what are some apologetics tips? What are ways we can evangelize in a helpful way, right? What are things to do, mm-hmm. things to avoid, tactics we can take? When we're talking with our, our Muslim friends and neighbors and help them to see who Jesus really is and, and share the gospel with them. Yeah, well, there, there's so many things uh, that we could go go in, in kind of different directions about. I mean, uh, I often say first that really anyone can do this because it's actually a lot easier than you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is a, peop- this is a people group who uh, are very open to talking about religious matters. Mm. In fact, I think I share a story in that Ambassador's Guide to Islam where I talk about how um, when I first started witnessing to Muslims, I I was like, well, I got to go find some Muslims to talk to. So let me just go to a Muslim neighborhood that's, you know, that I knew in Southern California had mm-hmm. a high population of Muslims. 
And uh, I, I drive over to this like strip mall, and uh, I could tell that a whole bunch of the signs for these restaurants and stores were all written in Arabic script. So I'm thinking, okay, this must this must be the right place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I get out of the car and I'm looking around and I see these two guys that kind of look like me. And I say that because I'm Middle Eastern. So mm. uh, I'm, I'm thinking, well, if they're Middle Eastern, chances are they're Muslim. So I, I see them heading into a restaurant. And just before they walked into the restaurant, I stopped them. And I said to them, excuse me, I said, are you guys Muslims? Now, this was just a few years after 9-11. So you can imagine they were a little <laughs> bit you know, skeptical. Right? They're like, sure. you know, who's this American who's asking us if we're Muslims? Like, are, you know, is he going to beat us up or what? <laughs> And so they they finally said, yeah, we're Muslims. Why? I said, oh, I said, great. I said, hey, you know, I'm a Christian. I said, would you like to talk about God and Jesus in the Bible? Now, most people, when I say this, tell the story to think that these people said, no, like, leave us alone. Mm -hmm. But in reality, both of them said, sure, we'd love to. They said, why don't you come inside and join us while we eat? And so I was like, oh, OK, that sounds great. <laughs> wow. So we go into the restaurant and we sit down and we start chatting about God and Jesus and the Bible. And the conversation just just flowed naturally. It was easy. Like It wasn't like, okay, how do I bring up the topic of the Bible or God or Jesus? It just naturally and organically came up because hmm. they're people of faith. I'm a person of faith. And there's a whole bunch of common language and terminology and ideas that we share. So we just went on for hours. Hmm. And in fact, when the when the conversation mm. ended, and really it ended only because I tried to end it, I told them, I said, look, you know what? This is going so great, but I, I really have to go because my wife's probably wondering, like, you know, <laughs> have I been shot? You know, am I dead or what? And uh, I went to – I reached into my back pocket to pull out some money to pay for my part of the meal. And when they saw me do that, they said, no, 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 stop. They said, we insist on paying for your part of the meal as well. Wow. Wow. Now I want you to, and so I always tell my, I always tell people who I'm sharing this with, I say, think about this for a moment. If I had walked into a, a mall in the United States and just walked up to two average Americans and said to them, excuse me, I'm a Christian. Would you like to talk about God and Jesus in the Bible? I mean, you, you can only imagine their, their response would be like, <laughs> yeah, no way, sure. like, like get away from us. They like, would have like clean, hid their kids know? from you. Yeah. They would have, yeah, they would have right. shuffled their children off as fast as they could. <laughs> That's right. And that would be the, that would be the nicest, most gracious thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. But right. but with these Muslim people, like I just mentioned the fact that I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm interested in talking about religion and they welcome me to do that. Yeah, that is crazy. That's, that is so counterintuitive to what I think would happen. Right. Oh, you yeah. think that they would just give you the cold shoulder. But no, they invite you in for a meal and then it's an engaging conversation that lasts for a really long time. Yeah. And so, hmm. in fact, after so after that experience, I thought to myself, OK. And, you know, we got, I got to do this on a, on a bigger level. And so eventually I started doing this thing called the Muslim Mission, which is something that we do with Stand to Reason, where I work with a group of, um, you know, Christians, either high schoolers or um, other kinds of students. And I spent a couple of days training them in how to understand Islam, kind of like what you guys have done already. Mm -hmm. And then we call up a mosque and I say to the mosque leader, I say, hey, look. I'd love to bring 50 Christian high school students to your mosque. Would that be okay? And they're like, sure, we'd love it. <laughs> wow. And so because, again, they're, they're so open to dialogue and conversation that I've never been rejected by any mosque. <laughs> um, wow. And we've done this both in the States. I've, you know, I go to the Middle East a couple times a year. 
and we've um, you know we've gone to um, mosques there. We've I've done this in in Australia, uh, wow. so I've done this in many different countries. Yeah. And every time we go there, they're happy to do happy to have us. They oftentimes will prepare a meal for us. Wow. You know they'll cook us they'll cook us food. And so um, you know before we get into the nitty gritty, I just wanted to kind of tell your listeners that man, this is a this is a population of people who are totally comfortable talking about faith and religion and Jesus and God. Hmm. And I often tell people, man, we have to take advantage of this wide open opportunity mm-hmm. uh, of, of a group of people who are fine with us talking about Jesus, who, yeah, of course, is the central yeah. figure in our faith. Well, and that is fascinating because it does seem like – so we as, as you know, typical Americans, we have a hang-up talking about religion and politics, right. and we, mm-hmm. we impose that on other people. We think, of course, everybody must be just like <laughs> us. Right. And, but the fact is, no, if you go to a, you know, a Muslim restaurant, you could strike up a conversation, and it wouldn't be odd or weird or taboo yeah, for so them at all. so counterculture. Yeah. It is, yeah. Right, right. And Mormons, of course, would be the same thing, right? I mean, I see mm-hmm. a group of Mormons mm-hmm. or a couple, and I and – I, on the street. And if I go up to them and say, Hey, you guys are Mormons, right? They're like, yeah. And I go, Hey, you know, what do you guys think about such and such religious topic? You know? And they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah. And it's again, same thing. So that's another group of people who similarly, if they're have their own convictions about faith or religion, then they're usually very open to that. Yeah. Well, that is fascinating. That's such a great tip right there. Just call up a mosque and and go, go talk to the imam, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, I've done I've yeah. done that even as a, a by myself. I remember when I was taking some formal classes in Islam. One of the things they asked us to do is just to go meet with some Muslim and you know engage them. And so I actually said, well, let me just call up a the imam at a mosque and mm-hmm. just do a formal interview kind of thing. And he was totally happy to do it. You know. Man, that's great. Yeah, that yeah. is such a good tip. We can we can be proactive about it. So this and this is important with apologetics because you know so many people. Well, a lot of people don't know what apologetics is, sadly. But on top of that, they think it's it's just a defensive thing. Like I wait to give a defense if I'm asked. But no, we should go into the world, right? We should we should yeah. be proactive and and going to engage people who don't have the truth. I think that that is a great great tactic to use. Yeah, and I would also add that for a lot of um, Muslim women, uh, you know, if they're wearing a hijab, oftentimes that's I think oftentimes interpreted um, by Americans or Westerners as, oh, she's a Muslim, you know, kind of stay away from her. Don't talk to her. She's covered up. She's, you know, not approachable. Mm -hmm. And in reality, when we've done these mission trips where we've gone to a mosque or we've gone into a neighborhood and just, you know, gone up to Muslims that we could tell were Muslims, when I have girls pair up and they walk up to a girl who's a Muslim and just say, hey, you know, we're Christians, just wanted to say hi – often these Muslim girls will just kind of open up and be like, oh, hey, you know, it's so nice to meet you, blah, wow. blah, blah, and they'll start chatting. <laughs> and I think, you know, we, we make a mistake when we, especially um, female Americans or female Westerners, think, oh, man, yeah, she's got a hijab, she's covered up. It probably means, you know, don't talk to her. But not at all. These people are just like anybody else. And oftentimes they feel like, yeah, the rest of Western culture is sort of cold to them. Mm-hmm. But not for, I would say, any justified reason, really. I mean, I mean, I, I understand there's people who have questions about Islam and don't know a lot about it and are sort of have fears and whatever. But there's no reason we should be thinking that they that that is somehow a signal to us that we shouldn't approach and talk to them and just be friendly like we would anybody else. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I, sometimes I think we we make these uh, 
we, we think that there's these entities out there, right? Like, like we don't talk to a Muslim human being, but we, we have this concept of Islam and it's this big, scary thing mm. out there. But when you're face right. to face with somebody who believes it, you see, hey, they're a human being. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that sometimes, man, half the battle is just getting to, to get up the courage to go across the room and talk to the person. Um, and then after that, it, I, I wouldn't say it's always easy, right? But yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's not as hard or, or as difficult as sometimes we make it out I think to it's be. perspective is really yeah. a good, good point, aspect of it, honestly. Yeah, yeah I think so, too. Mm-hmm. So that, now that's yeah. a great tip. That's good to know that they're, they are approachable. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, even, even when I see yeah, yeah, women with the hijabs on and stuff, you think, oh, man, I, you know, I, I need to leave them alone. Especially sometimes when you see like, them walking directly behind their husband. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, I, right, it, man, right, right. it feels to me like I can't just approach them, um, but we can. Well, well, yeah. And now, one word of caution here. Let me just, <laughs> let me just make it clear. Oftentimes, cross gender kind of um, approaches or conversation are, are not necessarily going to fly well. Okay. So, hmm. so I, I will say that if you see a woman walking behind her husband and you're a guy, I wouldn't say you should go up to that girl. And start <laughs> yeah. No. Go okay? talk to the that, husband. That will, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I was saying for for girl for female Westerners Americans you know if they see a female um, Muslim girl mm-hmm. uh, then then that would be oftentimes I think an opportunity where it's they should feel free to go up and talk to them. I see. But if okay. for a guy, no, I don't think we should. That's now, a bad idea. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, well, and it okay. varies from from person to person because obviously a lot of Muslims have just grown up in the states their whole life and they've just sort of adopted Western. Um, uh, cultural sensitivities and and they don't mind if some guy talks to them and they're a girl okay but if they've come from the you know come from another country they might still have that sort of sensitivity where yeah if you're just a stranger mm-hmm. and you're a guy you don't go up to a girl oh, and start okay. talking to her because that's going to perceive like you're hitting on her in some way you know? oh, okay that makes sense yeah so yeah. i i so when we do muslim mission work and and go into a neighborhood i tell the girl we we pair up by gender so we have girls together guys together and i tell the guys only go up and talk to guys and i tell the girls only talk to other girls you mm-hmm. know now again no, you'll wise. find mm. exceptions but i don't we don't want to play you know those odds no 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 no, no. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, yeah you want to you want to be smart and as shrewd as you can when talking to people so that's good that's a good that's yeah. a good clarification on that yeah. All right. So once you get into conversations with them, what are tactics that you use? What arguments do you use? And what do you avoid getting into? What are things you try to stay away from? Okay. Well, um, so I would say my my main goal and what I specifically teach um, are, are really two things. Number one is uh, focus on the gospel. And number two is avoid topics that distract from the gospel. Mm. Okay. So in other words, uh, going back to number one there, my goal, whenever I talk to a Muslim ultimately is to try to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Okay. Cause to me, that's what matters, mm-hmm. right? I'm not so concerned about, you know, immediately what they think about Muhammad or the Quran or, you know, Hadith or Jihad or whatever, which are oftentimes what a lot of American Christians are thinking, Oh man, that's what I want to talk about. Cause that's, fascinating and provocative and interesting. But I don't want to talk about that because, I mean, ultimately, if they come to accept the gospel, then obviously all their views downstream from, you know, that will will follow into will fall into place. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. 
And so that's why the, the, the kind of the counter or uh, the other side of the point, which is point number two, which is avoid conversations that distract from the gospel. Um, these topics are things like jihad, you know. So, for mm-hmm. example, even in my even when I teach formally on the subject of Islam, I'll teach about well, what is jihad, you know. Is violent jihad a valid doctrine? You know, is there a form of jihad in Christianity? And so I'll spend some time unpacking that and looking at what it is. Mm. But when it comes to practical engagement, I actually tell my audience, look, don't although I've brought this up, I don't want you to bring it up when you're talking to your Muslim friend or neighbor. Mm-hmm. Because all it typically does is it sends a signal into the mind of a Muslim and they just think to themselves, okay. This American is just like every other American. They think I'm some sort of jihadi or terrorist or whatever. They've, you know, stereotyped me or whatever. And um, all that does is typically raise their defenses Mm -hmm. and make them more closed off to accepting the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I want to do. No, and and that's great because even with other religions, like like even when when you're talking with the Mormon, right, you don't want to bring up temple ritual and and holy underwear and all that stuff because even even if you convince them that it's bad, it doesn't save them. So it's That's it's right. a waste of time. So why don't you focus on Jesus and the gospel and what's most important? I I think maybe one of the reasons we don't is because it's not as exciting to us. It's like we like to talk about the taboo and the strange, right? Um but yeah. but if the goal is mm, to present yeah. the gospel, which it should be, then yeah, stick to the things that that focus on it and don't get sidetracked by different topics. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that and that's a perfect kind of analogy with with the Mormons, you know, the same kind of thing. Um, yeah, we, um, I, I just say, look, anything that will create a defensive posture in the mind of a Muslim should be off, off topic. You mm-hmm. know, I've, I've accidentally started a conversation talking about the Israeli Palestinian conflict, right? In Israel, oh, man. Okay. Yeah. big oh. mistake. Like, <laughs> came up, you know? We never left that topic, you know, and sure. they were just, they were just on fire. They are passionate. They were angry. They were moody. You know? mm. And it's like to try to get back to the gospel. It's like, well, what's the big, you know? Sure. It's, how's it going to happen? Yeah, you've lost, just like you've you, lost the conversation at yeah, that point. Yeah. yeah. Right. And just like you said, Robbie, it's like um, even if they were to agree with you about the subject of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or about jihad being you know, unfair or cruel or whatever, it's like, so what? Mm-hmm. Their eternal destiny would still be in jeopardy, yeah. right? So so what, what have you really accomplished even if you were to get them to accept – sort of your view or perspective on that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say just focus on the gospel. Like that that's the that's the most important thing anyways. And yes. like you said, if they mm-hmm. if they accept that then everything will kind of follow um, well yeah and it's downstream. it's same with anybody you know whenever we're doing apologetics even with atheists right like if mm-hmm. i prove god exists to them that doesn't save them mm-hmm. And so, right. yeah, I, I think best bang for your buck, especially with the time that we usually have for these conversations, is did this guy raise from the dead? And if he did, here's all the implications of it for everything. Like Christianity follows yeah. based on that. Right, right, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, so, that, so, that's, the, so that's a general guideline. And then, okay. and then I say, okay, well, look, you know, ultimately – you really need only three things to reach Muslims. Okay. Okay. I say the Bible, the Holy spirit and a meaningful relationship. Hmm. Now, when Hmm. I say Bible, I just mean that ultimately what we want to present is the gospel of Jesus Christ found in the Christian scriptures. Yes. And I say that only because oftentimes I find sometimes people are trying to take the Quran 
and say, man, I bet you we can, you know, what, is there a way to show the gospel from the Quran or, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of, some sort of Chrislam or amalgamation. And I'm kind of, I, I get very nervous about that kind of stuff. And so I say, no, 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 let's, let's focus on the scripture. Let's focus on the gospel of Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bible's number one, number two, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And when I say you need the Holy Spirit, I just mean to say that we have to realize that ultimately nobody comes to faith apart from the work of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and that what we're involved in is spiritual battle. And so number one, we should be praying. We should be realizing that it's not going to be just our sort of, you know, speech or our arguments, but rather the Holy Spirit has to convict this person Mm -hmm. uh, of the truth. Okay. So we need the Bible. We need the Holy Spirit. And number three is a meaningful relationship. And the reason I say that is because Mm -hmm. oftentimes many Muslims are, uh, come from a Middle Eastern background, and typically, not always, but typically Middle Eastern people tend to be very relational mm-hmm. and value friendship and honor and commitment and so on and so forth. And so the degree to which um, you'll be able to share the gospel with a person, with a Muslim, and have an influence in their life will be a function of your relationship with them. Hmm. And so that's why I say, you know, if you think you will have a kind of a long-term relationship with somebody then then that's wonderful you know you don't have to feel like you had a rush to get to the gospel Mm -hmm. you know like let's just say you're talking to a muslim in the store you might not have that much time it's like this might be your only time you ever see them but if a muslim's like in your class Mm -hmm. and you're going to see this person all semester or maybe they're a neighbor then you can kind of think more long term yeah and that's why i think you know hey try to focus on your relationship first Mm. Um, but ultimately, Bible, Holy Spirit, meaningful relationship. I think those are the those are three key ingredients to being able to reach Muslims or, or kind of having a a general guideline. Yeah, that's great. Well, how how do you go about um, developing? I mean, I know this it, it's it's the same with everybody, right? We're supposed to love our neighbors, right? But sometimes with 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 a lot of Muslims, there's so many cultural differences. What are things we can do to um, be proactive about developing a meaningful relationship with them? Well, um, well, like you said, number in one sense, it, it shouldn't be any different than you would with any neighbor, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in other words, you, you say you have a neighbor, you know, you're gonna tr- you know try to say hello, just kind of at at the beginning, kind of go easy with your advances, you know, sure. and like you know, and get kind of get to know them and see kind of where they're at, and you'll just sort of naturally have a feel for what they're comfortable with and what they're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. We would do that with any neighbor, yeah. And the same would be true with a Muslim. I would say. You know, do your part in maybe just looking up some basic cultural or customs that are specific to Islam and you know to their country. If you happen to know what country they're from, for example. Okay. Um, but but generally speaking, if you know they're Muslim, then you should know. Like number one, they don't drink alcohol typically. Mm-hmm. Now I know a lot of Muslims that do, but but if they're in any way religious, they're not going to want to drink alcohol. And so say, hey, offering them a beer. You know, if they come it's over, a bad or, idea, you know, huh? yeah. a bad idea, you know, or wine, you know, hey, let me bring over a bottle of wine is a, well, you know, housewarming gift. Sure. If they just moved in, like, yeah, that's not going to fly well. Obviously, pork products. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of things that are just sort of basic stuff that I think everyone should just sort of do their due diligence on to look up before they start, you know, making those kinds of oh, yeah. you know, overtures and stuff. Yeah, before you invite them to like a barbecue block party. <laughs> that's probably a <laughs> bad idea. Have, yeah, sure. Right, and have pulled pork sandwiches or something. <laughs> yeah, and like, beer, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That might sound good to you, but... Yeah, so I would say, you know, just just any basic common sense approaches to building a relationship is what you should do. Okay. Now, 
if you're if you're let's just say you meet a Muslim and you think, man, I'm not going to I'm not sure I'll have a long term relationship with this person. And you just want to sort of see, man, let me just take a stab at trying to get to the gospel with them. Mm -hmm. You know, here here's the way I try to get to the gospel with a Muslim and say under a minute. Okay, (laughs) so what I'll ask them and again, because they're open to talking about spiritual and religious things, this question isn't actually as odd as it might sound okay. like to you and I, because we're, you know, we're Americans and we're kind of like, well, that sounds like an odd question to ask. But here's sure. what I sometimes will ask a Muslim. I'll say, hey, would you say you're 100% sure you're going to heaven? Hmm. Now, I'm, I'm being careful about my wording here. I, I didn't say, are you confident you're going to heaven? I said, are you 100% sure mm. you're going to heaven? Okay. Now, if your listeners have have followed along with what you've taught with regards to, um, uh, you know, the, how you get into heaven in, in terms of you know how, yeah, how do people get saved in yeah, Islam, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a merit. It's a meritorious based system of salvation, right? Yes. It's based on merit on on what you do. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you have good deeds and bad deeds, and they're put on a scale at the end, and uh, you know these two angels that have been following you all of your life, like stalkers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they're recording everything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Like a, they got like a little, you know, GoPro, and they're recording. <laughs> so, um, so for the typical Muslim, they're not going to have any sense as to knowing. Well, I know I've got this many good deeds and bad deeds. I don't know how each one is weighted. They won't have any way to say, "Yes, I'm a hundred percent sure they're going to heaven." In okay. fact. I don't. I don't think I've ever asked a Muslim this, and had a Muslim say to me, "Yes, I'm 100 percent sure." Hmm. They always say no, and so then my next question is, "Well, would you like to have 100 percent assurance?" Hmm. Nice. And typically, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, maybe there's been some tangents that have gone off from there, but for the most part, they'll say to me, "Well, sure." Like, what do you mean? And then I can say, "Okay, well, if you're interested in knowing." 100% or having 100% confidence that you're going to go to heaven, then let me point you to what Jesus said. Hmm. Now, again, this isn't that strange of a thing to say because as you've probably taught in your um, in your teaching on Islam, that Muslims are required to believe in Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah, now yeah. of course, now of course they believe that Jesus is a prophet, right? Yeah. So, not the son of God for sure, but yeah, he's an apostle, a prophet. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so again, so far, you know, bringing up the subject of heaven or asking that kind of question, that's not super odd for Muslim. And then saying, well, would you like to see what Jesus said about having assurance is also not that strange because again, they believe Jesus is a prophet. Okay. And uh, again, their Christology, as you mentioned, is lower than ours, but still. So notice then what you're then positioned to do, which is present the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're a Christian and you know what the gospel is, if you know the message of reconciliation, well then, you, all you have to ask is two questions, and if you already know how to present the gospel, you're already in prime position huh. to witness to Muslims. That is awesome. Okay? Yeah, yeah. That's a great you know, strategy. Are you 100% sure you go to heaven? No. Would you like to be sure? Sure. Okay, well let me point you to what Jesus said. And I specifically would turn to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh-huh. And however you as a Christian would present the Gospel, then just do it. Okay? Man, that is great. Yeah, that's so easy. Yeah. Now, there's uh, – you know, of course, there's a whole bunch of you know, 
um, qualifications here, because as you probably know, and maybe your listeners know as well, that uh, most Muslims are going to be resistant to uh, listening to what the Gospels say. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure you've brought up up this objection, but virtually every Muslim that you talk to believes or will say something to the extent of, well, but the Bible's corrupted, you know. Mm. Those Gospels are corrupted, you know. And um, the reason they say this is because uh, the Quran, which of course is their highest authority, identifies the Gospels, and the word is Injil, um, as a true revelation from Allah. So, mm. so going back to my little kind of one minute, you know, get to the Gospel in one minute thing, the reason why I want to point them to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is because their highest authority, the Quran, says that the Injil, the Gospel, is a true revelation from Allah. Okay. Now, the, the downside is, is that culturally speaking, virtually every Muslim believes that Gospel is now corrupted. Hmm. Okay, and and why did like they believe that because that's what they've been taught, and it's taught because the gospels don't agree with the Quran. Is that kind of the idea? Like, there's obvious contradictions. Yeah, so I mean, there's a number of factors going on, but yeah, that's what they've been taught. That's what they've been told. It's just basically one of those cultural beliefs okay. that 99.9 percent of every Muslim believes. There okay. are mm. several significant exceptions, like indeed many scholars realize that this is actually a bad way to think. Mm-hmm. But um, but that is what I found to be the number one most common objection that I run across. This okay. Bible is corrupted thing. And I would add, it's the most serious objection because it completely undermines our ability to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. from the gospels. Yeah. It com- mm-hmm. it completely yeah. you know undermines our capacity to tell them, hey, here's what Jesus said. You know, look, he said right here, you know, yeah. no one comes to the Father except through me or, or whatever you want to say. So anyways, uh, I, I've mm. used a tactic, though, to overcome this objection because I found it's so common and it's so um, so central to um, what I want to share with a Muslim that I, I feel like, well, OK, I, I need to figure out a way to, to overcome this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I can never tell them what Jesus said. Yeah. Know? Yeah, so how do you show them that, yeah, the Gospels are not, they haven't been corrupted, they haven't been changed? Yeah, so this is something that um, we, we learn, this, this, this tactic or approach is something that we learn from, from Paul, the Apostle Paul. He actually does this in Acts chapter 17 when he's speaking at the Areopagus, mm-hmm. okay? You know, this, you know the story, yeah. he's going through, he sees all these, uh, you know, uh, altars, and there's one that says, an altar to the unknown God. Mm-hmm. And then the Apostle Paul says, hey, what you worship in ignorance, this unknown God, I will now proclaim to you. And then what's interesting in Acts chapter 17 is Paul literally quotes uh, these two uh, Stoic philosophers, Epimenides and Aratus. Mm-hmm. He quotes their writings, and, the, and their writings are actually um, poems to the false god of Zeus. Okay. And Paul takes their poetic writings and writes th- and and leverages them to make his case of who the true God is. Hmm. Now, Paul's quote of Aratus and Epimenides is actually now incorporated into scripture in Acts chapter 17. He yeah. says, "For in him we live and move and have our being." And he says, "For indeed we are his offspring." Well, those two sentences are from those philosophers, which are talking about Zeus. Mm-hmm. And yet Paul leverages 
the people at the Areopagus, their commitment to these writings to his advantage. Mm-hmm. And so this is exactly the tactic that I like to use as well, is mm. I take the Quran, which is the highest authority in the mind of a Muslim, and I, I point out to the Muslim that their highest authority actually teaches that the Bible, specifically the gospel, is not corrupted, hmm. but rather the trustworthy, reliable word of God. Okay. Hmm. And, the, and the way I do this is I point them to two uh, things that the Quran teaches. Number one, the Quran teaches that no one can change the words of God. The second thing the Quran teaches is that the gospel, meaning Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is an example of the word of God. <laughs> and so if the Quran teaches that no one can change the words of God, and the Quran teaches that the gospel is the word of God, well, then what logically follows? Yeah. The, that the gospel yeah. is the unchanged word of God. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. According to the Quran. So I have um, – I keep on my phone, and you can do this with uh, an, a, a Quran app mm. or just some sort of note-taking app on your phone. I keep uh, about eight passages from the Quran on my phone handy so I don't have to memorize them mm-hmm. that teach those two points, that no one can change the words of God and that the gospel is an example of the words of God. And I just keep them on my thing so that I can show to the Muslim, hey, look, look at your own Quranic authority, your highest source of authority. The mm-hmm. words of Allah say, hey, no one can change the words of God. And they say that the Bible, specifically the gospel, is the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so that way they can't then go against the Quran, which is a much higher authority than they are or anything else is. Yeah. Right. And so that way I can leverage what the Quran says to make my point and, and, and to be it to my advantage, which mm-hmm. is to show that the gospel is trustworthy. And that is genius and, because, yeah. yeah, what what can they say at that point? Well, and how, how, what, what do they say? Like, do they say, oh, man, I've never That's seen these verses in the Quran before? Or what, what is their well, rebuttal to that? Yeah, so it, it, it all depends on the particular Muslim. Because you have to remember, about 70% of most Muslims worldwide, including the United States, are nominal, meaning in name only. Mm-hmm. And these are Muslims who don't study the Quran, they don't study the Bible, they don't mm-hmm. you know, take their faith super seriously. Yeah, They're it's just, just sort a of... cultural thing more, more so? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So the vast majority of Muslims aren't even familiar with what's in the Quran in the first place, let alone you citing or showing these passages. <laughs> okay. So... Now, some of them maybe are more knowledgeable, but even the ones that have been more knowledgeable, I found I've kind of caught them off guard. Not that I'm trying to catch them or anything or, yeah. or beat them or whatever, but they kind of step back and they say, oh, OK, that's interesting. You know, um, I don't know if this story is in my book, but um, I was invited to a, a prison, a maximum security state mm-hmm. prison several years ago. And I went several times over a period of a couple of years, but it's in Southern California near the border of Mexico. And there's about 200 Christians in this maximum security state prison, along with just everybody else, you know, normal, mm-hmm. normal prison population. Yeah. But there's also, I don't know, maybe 100 or so uh, Muslims in there as well. And the chaplain had invited me to train the Christians who are in this prison how to witness to their Muslim you know, prison mates, basically, <laughs> because they said to me, they said, Alan, a lot of these Christians are in a cell with a Muslim. Hmm. And guess what? He's like, they have a lot of time on their hands. Yeah, you know? what a so, perfect yeah. opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, you know, so, so they invited me to this prison. I, you know, I go into the prison and I, um, I had, 
when I, when I got there, it, I guess word spread that uh, I was a Christian who was going to come and teach on Islam. So when I was in this room and all these Christian prisoners were kind of pouring into this room, like all these Muslim prisoners came in as well. And I'm wow. thinking to myself, I'm going to die. You know, Because right? <laughs> I'm going to make a case against Islam to these oh, Muslim man. prisoners who already have like a life sentence, right? Sure, so yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to uh. kill one more person, like what's the big deal? You know? <laughs> Another 50 uh. years, like it's not going to make any difference. No, yeah, that's true. Kidding. They were They were super nice. But I made this argument. So I said to them, I said, hey, look, Christians, I know your Muslim friends are all here listening in, but let's just talk, you know. And I said, you know, their Quran teaches that no one can change the words of God. And I cited these verses. Then I said, and the, the Quran also teaches that the gospel is the word of God. And I cited those verses. And I can, you know, I can point you to them if, if you want while yeah. we're talking here in the podcast as well. And I said, so therefore, according to the Quran, what logically follows, this is what we call in logic a valid deductive argument. So, mm -hmm. If premise one and two are true, then the conclusion logically follows. I said, you know, this this would prove then that the Quran teaches that the gospel is the unchanged word of God. So I had some Muslims raise their hand. And the first Muslim I called on said to me that as I was quoting the passages in the Quran, he was looking them up to see if I was taking them out of context or whatever. Uh -huh. And he said to me, he goes, you know what? He goes, I checked the verses out that you stated. And he said, I have to agree with you what you're saying is true. Wow, I said, thank, wow. thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I had a second Muslim raise his hand and he said, um, he said he hadn't heard this approach before, but he says he respects what I said. He goes, he goes, he agrees with me that the Quran does not accuse the Bible of being corrupted. <laughs> and then a third Muslim, he got kind of angry with his Muslim friends, jumps up and says to his Muslim friends, that they should not be agreeing with me. And he starts to quote a verse in the Quran, which at first glance, it sounds like it says that the Bible's corrupted. Hmm. But then the two other Muslims re rebuked him and said, no. They said, we looked at that verse. It doesn't say the Bible's corrupted. It says that the Christians misinterpret oh. what the Bible says. Okay. But okay. the text is pure. So that's yeah. one of the most common responses I get from typically more educated Muslims is they'll say, well, OK, you're right. <laughs> the Bible's not corrupted, but you're misinterpreting what it says. Okay. So that's one of the responses. OK, so they have the correct interpretation or, or maybe they don't even study it to, to know what the correct interpretation is. But huh. the Quran says you are misinterpreting well, it. Yeah. No, yeah, the, the, the Quran says that we Christians have misinterpreted it. Okay. And I, and I have probably, I don't know, uh, a dozen or so scholars who have all come on board with this, um, with this view, like who are saying, you know what, that's true. Uh, the problem isn't that the Bible has been corrupted. It's that the Christians misinterpret it. Hmm. Well, so, so at that point yeah. is, is the step you take to – uh, say, well, let's investigate the Bible and let's try to come up with the correct interpretation. Like, what what do you do at that step? Well, at that point, so remember, my entire goal from the beginning is to get to the gospel. Mm -hmm. So again, I'll I'll ask that question. Are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? They'll say no. I said, would you like to have 100% sure? They say, sure. I pointed to the I pointed to what Jesus says in the gospels. Now, if they say it's corrupted, I'll say, oh, but your Quran teaches it's not corrupted. <laughs> yeah. 
If they then agree with that, then I say, okay, so now we're in agreement the Bible's not corrupted, or at least the gospel's not. Mm -hmm. Let's then look and see what did Jesus say about the nature of salvation. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try to then go back to the gospel. So it's not like I want to stay, you know, looking at the Quran. No, yeah, you're just establishing the gospels are legitimate. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to go straight to the gospel and try to continue my sort of gospel presentation or my communication of what Jesus said. That's my that's my total that's my ultimate goal. You yeah, know? yeah, no, absolutely. That's awesome, man. What a great tactic, and it's so mm. simple. It's it's pretty easy to remember. So you just get yeah, a, you, you get these verses on your phone, and you're ready whenever you run into somebody to to start talking about the gospel within a minute. That is amazing. Exactly, and you know, I think we as Christian apologists, we oftentimes will think that the best way to sh- to demonstrate the reliability of the Bible is to give a sort of um, typical, you know, uh, historical or um, manuscript evidence kind of case, you know. Sure. Like, for example, I have a good friend named J. Warner Wallace, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, he gives an amazing kind of cold case Christian defense for the reliability of the Bible and so on and so forth. And and we as Christian apologists or as Christians are absolutely in, you know, it's, it's important for us to know that argument. But here's the downside when you're talking to a Muslim. If you just present a sort of historical um, kind of apologetic argument in that sense, the Muslims going to think to themselves, well, wait a minute. Um, who am I, who am I going to believe the Quran or some American Christian <laughs> yeah, who gave sure. you some, you know, secular argument, some historical secular argument. Mm-hmm. And in their mind, no, it's like the Quran's going to trump whatever argument you give me. And that's why I say, okay, well then let's leverage the Quran to our advantage. Let's yeah. let's use the Quran to make our point. Mm-hmm. Since they will always look to the Quran as sort of being the trump card, let's use their trump card to make the point that we want to make, that the mm-hmm. Bible's trustworthy mm-hmm. or the gospel's trustworthy. Yeah, it's a way better tactic, right? I mean, it, it takes yeah. less time. It's their highest authority that they're they're accepting truth from. So yeah, if we can use that like Paul did in Acts 17, man, what a great tactic. That's exactly what we should do. It, it, we, I mean, not to mention, we don't have to explain to them what text criticism is and what, what manuscript yeah, evidence that's what I was is. Right. About. All of that stuff just takes so long, even with Christians to explain all that stuff. You, you're like... and. I, I don't know about you, but I feel like anytime I'm telling about the the reliability of Scripture in that vein, it's like I'm stacking the deck, and then I say, "And Christianity has the best evidence." Like, and it's That's true, right. but man, it just feels kind of uh, non genuine. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hmm. that is awesome. So, have you um, once you've gotten to that point and you start to show them what the gospels say about Jesus? Is it kind of like an aha moment for them? Are their eyes opened? Are they still skeptical about the the truth claims of Jesus in the gospels? <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a mixed bag, and I, I'm telling you, I've gotten virtually every kind of response. So sometimes they're just skeptical in general of the verses that you've quoted of the Quran because. They just don't believe that you as a Christian would even know anything about the Quran in the first place. Okay. So they could just get hung up right there, and they'll be like, you know, well, you've given this to me, uh, these verses in the Quran, but you're giving it to me in English. And as you as you guys probably know, a lot of Muslims will say mm. the Quran written in English is not a Quran. Yeah. It's not a translation. It's just a commentary at best. Mm-hmm. And so they'll say, well, I would have to see – or know what those verses are in the Arabic, mm-hmm. of which most Muslims don't even know Arabic. But anyways, <laughs> um, the vast majority of Muslims in the world don't speak Arabic. And yet wow. 
according to Islam, unless you read the Quran in Arabic, you're not reading an actual wow. Quran. Man. But so so they but they might throw that objection in your in at you at that point. Okay. Is they'll say, well, you know, I, I don't even know to, you know, I don't even know if what you're saying is true. They could agree and then say, yes, I agree with the Bible, or I agree that the Bible or the gospel is not corrupted, but um, we, we don't know what it says, mm-hmm. or your interpretation is wrong, or I mean, they can go a whole bunch of different ways. It really sure. just depends, you know. Muslims are not, you know. It's not a monolithic sort of group yeah. of people yeah. who you know think all the same way. They just vary vary from person to person. So you'll just have to see what's their what's their response for you to know sort of what their next step is. Mm-hmm. Man, I, when uh, in February I went on a mission trip to Rwanda and we flew to London and then we flew to Istanbul and then we flew down mm. to Kigali. And um, when we were in Istanbul, we had like a long layover, so we're sitting in the airport. And uh, we were trying to get the Wi-Fi password, and we couldn't figure out how to do it. And then this guy that was sitting behind us, he's like, oh, you have to go over there and and buy a drink from the bar, and he'll give you the password. So we do all this, and um, we're striking up a conversation with him, and he was from Iraq, Mm. and he he had a visa, and he was working in Wisconsin, of all places. (laughs) He was teaching school (laughs) in Wisconsin, yeah. And so we were talking about, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then he said to me, he said, you know, uh, Islam and Christianity, they're not that different at all. They're they're very much the same. It's just Islam has more of the truth. And I said, wow, that's really interesting. And and then I I did the tactic I do with Mormons when they say that Mormonism and Christianity are the same, you know. So I just just front load and I say, oh, so you believe that Jesus is eternally God and the Trinity is true and he's God's (laughs) son. Because they're right. the same thing, right? And I, yeah. you know, I said, yeah, yeah. and he goes, "No, I don't. No, I don't believe that." And I said, "Okay, so they're not the same." And he said, "No." And I said, "Well, wh- how do you?" And and I, I was talking to him about the Quran. How do, how do you justify the Quran says that the the Bible's, you know, the word of Allah, and the Bible says the New Testament says that Jesus is God's son. So how how do you reconcile that? And he looked at me and he said, "There is no place in the Gospels that say Jesus is God's son." And I said, yeah, there's a lot of them. And he said, show me one. And I said, okay. So I pulled out my Bible and I just kept showing him over and his eyes got humongous. And he said, I've never seen this before. And I thought, you should read through the gospels and see what they say, see what Jesus says about himself. And it was interesting to me um, how he must not have, I mean, maybe he's read parts of the new testament right but he didn't really study it for sure and and he oh yeah to, to miss that jesus claims to be the son of god all over the place he wasn't familiar with it and so man sometimes i think just getting them to look at verses in the new testament which is exactly what this method that you've shared with us will do right you'll get them right. to read what jesus claims for himself yeah. which is yes. just man that's a home run if you get to that point that is success right and you're yeah, making absolutely. them th- and they're going to continue thinking about it right you guys always teach that you want to put a stone in their shoe um that's, that's right. the goal of the conversation yeah, yeah. not to convert them i mean that'd be great yeah but yeah if you give them something to think about and they're reading god's word Man, what what an awesome thing to do. And I, I love how you showed us you can do it pretty quick, right? It doesn't take like six hours of conversation. Oh, yeah. You can move pretty fast to it. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That is awesome. Amen, amen to all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a what a what a great tactic. This is yeah, just so helpful. Um and, and a great tool to have in our tool belt. Well, do you have a couple of those passages from the Quran that talk about um uh, God's word not being able to be changed and then the Injil being uh, sent from Allah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so under the under the first point, which is which is the le- the kind of the lesser controversial one, that no one can change the words of God. Mm-hmm. You can find there's probably a dozen of passages, but here's the four that I typically use. Okay. The first one is Surah six, verse one hundred and fifteen. So Surah just means chapter. So chapter mm-hmm. six, verse one hundred and fifteen. Uh, Surah 634, okay. Surah 1064, and Surah 1827. Nice. And all of them, you know, you, just, you can read the context. I mean, I've looked at all the context of these, but basically they just repeat themselves. No one can change his words. There is none that can alter the words and decrees of Allah. Hmm. No change can there be in the words of, of Allah. None can change his words. It just goes on and on and on. So okay. that the words of God can't be changed really isn't that controversial or, or novel of an idea to most Muslims. Okay. But but the more uh, provocative and, and interesting thing is that the next point that Quran makes is that the gospel is an example of the words of Allah. And that can be found in probably, again, about nine or ten passages. But I, here's the four that I use. Okay. Uh, Surah 4. 136, Surah 2, 136, Surah 3, 3, and Surah 29, 46. Nice. Mm. And we'll put and, these uh, in the show notes so our listeners yeah. can, can see. And yeah, if you just if you just go on, get a Quran app or you go online and you just download these verses, put them in a note on your uh, on your phone so you're ready. This this is what exactly what I do with uh, Mormonism. I have arguments oh, and, and yeah. quotes from the Book of Mormon and from uh, the Doctrines and Covenants in there. So I'm ready when, when I'm talking yeah. with people and we can look at what their sources say. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those verses. The Alan Schliemann method of converting Muslims <laughs> oh, actually, for Jesus. Oh, yeah, no, it is not my method. No, actually, <laughs> this is not unique to me at all. A lot of I know a lot of people who use this approach – uh, because any, anybody who studied the Quran, even a little mm-hmm. bit, will understand that the Quran makes this point, and that's just such a powerful point. I mean, really, it's the Apostle Paul's approach, right? Yeah. Because that's, yeah. that's what he did, you know, in Acts 17. So it's, yeah. a, it's a great approach. It is. That is such an awesome approach. So um, h- how have you—I mean, do you have friends that are Muslims that you've continued to have relationships with over a long period of time? Yeah, so some of the guys, uh, so some actually, the one that what, first story that I shared with that um, at the restaurant, yeah, I'm still, I mean, we're not like close, like we hang out or anything, but we're still like Facebook friends and whatever. And nice. So I'm still in relation with that guy. And of course, um, uh, you know, I go to the Middle East uh, a mm-hmm. couple times a year and interact with Muslims there. And I, you know, <laughs> a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, Muslim friends in, in that area, of course, which mm-hmm. is just natural because I'm just in the Middle East. So, yeah, it's it's been really fun. I mean, that's been just kind of the neat thing. And uh, you know, as I tell my Christian friends, it's like you know, Muslims are just really uh, amazing, interesting, very kind, loyal, and honorable people who mm. typically make very good friends. And because they typically operate in a kind of more of like a honor shame culture, mm-hmm. um, they think it's honorable to be loyal and faithful to you. Wow. And they're always, you know, when you know, I'll, I'll go to their homes and. Like I said, they'll, they'll cook like a massive meal for me. <laughs> if they've come to my house, they'll often bring a gift, you know, to show their respect. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, you know, it's important for us to understand that because I think a lot of people have, um, you know, just sort of a, a tainted image of Muslims. Like, sure. oh, man, they're, 
they're invading or they're the enemy, whatever. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the Bible is pretty clear that no human is an enemy, right? I mean, the real enemy is Satan. Satan's an enemy and our, our sin nature is our enemy, but, but people aren't the enemy. No. Um, people are, are made in God's image and we're called to love them and to, you know, proclaim the message of reconciliation to them. Yeah. And and doing apologetics, right. Taking time to listen to this podcast or to study or to put these verses from the Quran on your phone. That's an act of love, right? It's an act mm -hmm. of preparing myself so I can love my neighbor and share truth with them. And, and that's what we want to be about as, as Christians, right. And as you guys say, as ambassadors of Christ, that's the whole goal so that we can represent God well, because people aren't the enemy. Jesus loves Mormons. He loves Muslims. He loves atheists. He loves homosexuals. He loves me, right? He even loves Christians, right. which is great. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, and maybe Tyler. Maybe, maybe Tyler. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe sometimes. Yeah. But that's, that's yeah, the well, truth of let, it. Yeah, let me just commend one verse to your listeners, which mm-hmm. would be 2 Timothy uh, 2, 24 through 25, because um, you were just mentioning, Robbie, that, you know, we often talk at Santa Reason, and I know other people do, that we're an ambassador for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then my question would be, well, how should we engage Muslims? Like, what would it look like to be an ambassador to Muslims? And I think Paul really nails it here in 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 25, where he's talking to his protege, Timothy. And he says, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but mm-hmm. be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, mm-hmm. with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition Wow. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. So really, we're called not to be quarrelsome or bickering, but to be kind even to people who are opposed to us, to gently try to correct them, you know, and never be hot-headed, never be aggressive, never be mean-spirited, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that really, that's a good verse, I think, that captures the, the manner in which we should engage our Muslim friends and neighbors. Absolutely. Well, and that that gets into this idea of we're not about winning arguments. We want to win people. And I think yes. so often with apologetics, it, it really can, you know, it's knowledge. It can puff you up. You can feel pretty good about yourself. But I always think like with, with Christian apologetics, we have the truth. How hard is it to win an argument when you have truth? It's not hard. It's very it's it's pretty easy. But to yeah. win right. to win people and to show them that you care and that you respect them even in your disagreements. That's where it's difficult. Um, but that's yeah. what that's what we're called to do. That is an excellent verse to keep in mind yeah. as we're sharing the truth with others around us. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, hey, so our podcast is called Christ Culture and Coffee. And one of the things we do is we always give coffee tips on our show. And when we have when we have guests on, we like to ask our guests if they like coffee, which we really hope that they do because it's embarrassing <laughs> if they don't. And then second, uh, what kind of coffee they like to drink. And so we've we've talked with Gary Habermas about this and Clay Jones yeah, and a bunch of other guys. Good. So, Alan, the big question of the podcast, do you like coffee? Huh. Is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes. I knew you were really saved. This is great. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I love, oh, I love coffee for sure. Oh. I mean, it's – it's such a joy. Yeah, everywhere I go, I love to find places where I can enjoy coffee. Yes, no, absolutely, that's awesome. So, what what's one of your go to drinks? What's one of your favorite drinks right now? So, okay, so this was a, a coffee shop that was pretty big in the South Bay, and they've recently opened up a couple of them now in Southern California. It's called Phil's Coffee. Oh. And um, so, whenever I was in the South Bay, I'm sorry, in like the San Francisco area, mm-hmm. that's what I meant in case. I just be careful who, who I'm talking to. Like, who's, who's the <laughs> cell 
Actually, you talk to people in L.A., there's a South Bay of Los Angeles. So, oh, anyways. really? Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I met in San Francisco, kind of um, uh, San Jose area. There's a chain called Phil's Coffee, and uh, they have a particular um, uh, drink called the Jacob's Wonder Bar, which is my current huh. favorite. Huh. Okay. And uh, it's um, – yeah, it's pretty – it's pretty um, – Pretty, it's pretty bold and, and and amazing flavor. So that that's my that's my current go to. Jacob's Wonder Bar. What is what is it? Is it a sweet drink? Is it what what's uh, in it? No, no, it's not sweet. It's just it's just the kind of roast they have. Oh, I see. Mm. Okay. And um, I think it's like got hints of like cloves and chocolate and oh, whatever. Nice. And, oh, but wow. no, no, it's not it's not sweet at all. I mean, I guess yeah. you put sugar in it. I never I never put chicken in mine, but. Um, that's my current favorite, uh, kind of ice cream, I'm ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I I love ice cream too, especially at Sub-Zero place we used to go to during the Oh yeah, that place was awesome. That was great. Yep. Well, that's awesome. That's great, man. Well, I'm glad that you drink coffee and I'm glad if I'm ever, yeah, Phil's coffee. I've never heard of that before. I've never, I've never been there. I got to check it out. They are in Southern California now? Yes, they do have a couple of them okay. here in Southern California. So, um, nice. and Phil's is spelled P H I L Z. Oh, I oh, see. Right. Okay. Phil's. Nice. Yeah. Dude, I got to check that out. That sounds awesome. I might just drive yeah. over to California just to check it out. Hey, if yeah. you do, give me a call. We'll no, I will. meet you there. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. And then we can go to Sub-Zero afterward. There you go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, if people want to um, listen to your podcast, if they want to read your books, if they want to read mm. articles, know more about you, where do they go? So str.org. So that stands for Stand to Reason. So str.org. That's our website. Um, if you have a podcast uh, app or something, my podcast is called uh, Thinking Out Loud with Alan Schleeman. Mm. And then we also have a YouTube channel, uh, STR Videos, and we have new videos every single week. So um, every single one of our, you know, our, our website, we have new blogs every single day, new articles every day. We have new uh, videos every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's it, awesome. Yeah. Pretty, you guys are pretty, doing a lot. Yeah. A lot of great stuff. Yeah. I, I've been listening to Greg since I was in college, um, on his, when podcasts like kind of first came out, I guess. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, you guys have just been huge blessing. I know to so many people, we recommend you as often as we can. So we will put links to SDR.org and to your YouTube channel and, and podcast and everything in the show notes. So if any of our listeners want to check it out, uh, highly, highly recommend you go and see what Alan's doing. He's doing some awesome stuff yeah, out there. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Alan. It's been just awesome. Yeah, thank you your so heart much. And, and hearing your arguments. So thanks so much. Yeah, Robbie Tyler, thank you so much. It's great to talk to you guys and hear your voices. Yes. It's been a long time <laughs> since we got to see you. So. <laughs> yeah, too yeah, long. No that's for sure. Well, and hey, for our listeners, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Uh, remember, the goal of this podcast is that we could equip Christians to be confident in their faith, but also to be able to go out and defend their faith with anyone they come in contact with and to do it with gentleness and respect. That is yeah. the goal. We have to show Jesus to people as we're sharing truth with them. So we will be back next week, and thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.